Chasing 69, a New York Jets podcast, episode 19. Teddy, we are here. It is July 27th. The boys are back in town. Let's First go. Day of As this comes out, we are very excited. We've been talking about this for months. Uh, how are you feeling? Excited to, to get every uh, everything going? Yeah, man. Feeling great. Football. Today's the first day where, you know, it does feel like football is back. Um, getting everyone back in their buildings, getting practices rolling. They can actually wear pads, you know, not as much as they used to, but still. Um, it's just real exciting. And, you know, we got some exciting news today, too. So, so everything's looking up, at least for today. Great stuff for the Jets. We're obviously going to go through a lot of the, the news and notes from uh, players reporting today. A lot of nice stuff that we can get into um, and then the big topic today, we're going to be taking a look at some position battles. And there's seven, I believe, that we've highlighted. 7.5, because there's another one that um, I think we could talk about is a little bit more fluid. But we've got three starting positions. We've got four uh, backup roles. We're going to go into all of those, kind of uh, take our picks, who we think is going to come out on top, discuss the competitions in general. Um, so we'll get to all of that. But before we do, please make sure to follow us on Twitter at NYJ underscore chasing 69. Teddy's personal at Teddy Huncho. I myself at Blake Andrew Pace. Feel like we're going to be a little bit more buzzing these next few weeks. And as we get into the season, because there's actual stuff to talk about. Oh, so, yeah. Um, you know, excited to keep that rolling. So make sure to follow us over there. Um, and Teddy, let's dive into it. Some great news came this afternoon. I, it was funny. Sometimes you just pop on Twitter and it's like the top thing. You're like, oh, this timed out perfectly. Uh, Matt Guy Becton, Carl Lawson, CJ Uzama removed from the PUP. Um, all three ready to go for first practice. Still waiting on Fant, but um, seeing those three names this ready is huge. This from is the get-go. How'd you feel? It's, I mean, we've talked about it and we, we – I don't know if our last podcast was before or after they were put on the PUP. I think they um, had just been put – um, okay. Yeah. So maybe we talked about it a bit, but, but, you know, we all kind of understand how the, how the PUP list works and um, you know, how before training camp, it can very likely mean nothing um, just because they want to put those guys on there to give them eligibility to get back on. Um, but at the same time, you'd never want to see it. And especially with guys like Lawson who were really excited and a guy like Makai Becton, who we know there's a lot of pressure on to be healthy um, it was a little worrisome. And so just before day one of practice to get these guys off of that list, I'm assuming they're going to be ready. You know, maybe they won't be completely full go, but they'll be out doing some type of practice activities tomorrow. Um, it's exciting, you know, and it's, it, it means a lot for Makai Becton, especially that's the name um, that I was most excited to see removed from the list, just because of everything we've talked about. I mean, he's the one guy we've talked about basically every, episode. every uh, episode 19 weeks and and then Lawson you know um it's just good to see that he's off the list getting ready after missing you know the whole season with an Achilles tear I'm really hoping he can stay healthy Uzama I was the least worried about um mm -hmm. just because you know we at least have Tyler Conklin and and you know I always kind of figured he was going to be back and be able to get back on the field yeah, I, I'm the same way in, in terms of like worry, you know, Zoma was like, okay, he's probably going to be fine. Lawson, you know, they, they talked about how they were going to stretch him out and really play it patient as they geared him up toward the regular season. And they probably still will do that as they should. Um, but it was nice to see him, you know, ready to go from for practice one. Becton is, like you said, just it's such a 
revelation, not just the fact that he is ready to go, but then you take a look at him walking into the building and you see some of the photos of how he looks. I, I think they said he dropped what, 40, 40 pounds, something like that. Or I don't know how much it ended up being, but he looks fantastic. And, I, and there's a before and after picture from his last time that he was interviewing in it. Was it the big, big mad big ticket t-shirt that he had on big bus big bus that's what it was big bus t-shirt and you just take a look at that to where he is now i mean it's it's like okay he looks looks ready to go and if they cleared him they obviously feel ready for it and as we'll get into position battles a little later on that's huge that's huge for becton um especially the way everything is working out with fans still remaining uh, on the uh, pup yeah i mean grant there the only report I really heard, I mean, obviously there was no media availability today from any of the coaches. Um, the only thing I really heard about Makai was positive was that he's, um, you know, he's looking good. The Jets coaches are happy with where he's at. He's, you know, we've heard Salah say he's been in the building all 40 days, the pe- these past 40 days. Um, so that's all good. We should take it slightly with a grain of salt, as I believe that report came from his um like medical personnel or, or whatever his like trainer is um, who's dealing, mm-hmm. who's helping him deal with his injury. So right. obviously that guy's going to side with Makai back then, but um, I actually do think it's a woman. I said guy, um, but yeah, you know, it's just, at least we're hearing positive things after so many, you know, unknowns and negatives. And just to touch on the picture thing uh, it is funny because throughout the whole off season, there's people posting pictures where he looks fat, where he looks thin. You never know, like when was the picture taken um, today? You know, walking into camp, we know that's a recent one, and we know he looks good. So, well, and the thing with that is, like, not only is it fun to see, like, yes, this this tackle that we believe can be so great is ready to go. I mean, we, you can dunk on people for days because they've been giving him shit for eight months now. Yeah. And, you know, he's the guy that always said, like, he's, he's going to get you, he's going to get you, you know, he's active on Twitter. He loves replying to stuff and, and getting, you know, things going. So um, look, it, it was never a situation of, of we want you to fail at least, you know, for the two of us, I, I don't know mm-hmm. there maybe are some people out there that just don't like him, but it was just like a, we want to see it. We want to see you. And then you can rub it in everybody's face. And, and that's where we're hopefully at, you know, obviously there's still practice. Got to um, see him on the practice. field first for sure, and, but uh, you, you got to get him into action. But just from where we were six weeks ago, feel a lot better uh, heading yeah. into, into first the first step of has camp. been made. Yep. Um, you know, some other stuff, just, you know, Uzama speaking to him, great shirt with the Zach Wilson time person of the year. Um, as we move through into some other stuff that we saw today, yeah. I'm trying to think if there were any quotes or players that got me really excited. Um, Braxton, uh, Barrios bleached his hair. I saw that. I know. I saw that... a few comparisons to, um, Ken from the new Barbie movie. Oh, nice. Yep. <laughs> um, I believe that's Ryan Gosling, who my father always says Blake looks just like. Um, yeah and you know he's the only person that does that i know the only person that (laughs) i don't see it so much anymore but back when you were clean shaven a bit um yeah i'm not sure anything else i mean today was just a day of a lot of pictures that i saw a lot of videos our boys elijah moore michael carter their best buddies um yeah pretty fun day i would love to be there it's always nice to see kind of everybody get back into town i was trying to think if there was there was one other thing i swore that i saw talked about but I can't. Oh, uh, Clemens <laughs> rookie, uh, Michael Clemens just showing up shirtless fucking. Oh, notes. hell yeah. <laughs> so, uh, so he's on a mission. I'm rooting for him, man. He's a, uh, he's a guy I'm rooting for, for sure. Yeah. 
Oh, that was the other thing. So a uh, couple of signings. I personally, I just wanted to talk about this one. That's what it was. Uh, JMU alum, of course. I went to James Madison University. Uh, Rashard Davis signed with the Jets to uh, to the team today. Uh, electric wide receiver. Yeah, wide receiver, punt returner, fast as lightning. He dominated in the USFL most recently. Um, I don't know. Nice. Ted was oh, a big USFL big guy. Big USFL he, guy. I think he. I think he led the USFL in punt return yardage this past year, but. Super Bowl champ him. with the Eagles previously, won a natty with the Dukes. So uh, that that was just fun for me. I mean, obviously, they've got enough wide receivers, we'll and, and you'll have to see, but it's cool to see that. You know, they brought in a few yeah. extra guys, made a couple of cuts. Um, recently uh, signed Rashard Davis as well, too, is what I'm seeing. So uh, just, you know, kind of those transactions, getting everybody to their numbers for camp so then we can then weed them down, but uh, yep. bringing yep. some competition for sure. Um the only other thing that I wanted to take a look at from the athletic, cause I just thought it was an interesting tidbit. Um, it was from Connor Hughes at the athletic who is finishing up his time there. Um, you know, he, he finishes off in probably about a week or so covering the jets for the athletic, but he was talking about the adjustment that the jets made to their off season program. And um, the quote that, you know, really stood out to me was high school, senior year, gym classes have more intensity. And really what it went into is that the jets, kind of devoted this new section of their staff to injury prevention. And what that detailed was really um, dumbing down, slowing down these off-season uh, activities. And, and that goes for the entire month of May. That goes for the entire month of June. Now, on the one side, extremely smart, because as we've seen, teams can get to preseason week three and their season is done. The Ravens last year, all the injuries they had heading into um, the regular season kind of crushed their season. And for the Jets, they had to deal with injuries last year. They've had to deal with a lot of injuries over the years. It's it's okay. How do we now make sure that we can walk into September ready to play week one, but also healthy enough to play week one? So on one side, you love that. But on the second side, it's also like, well, you've got a, a young team, a lot of new pieces, three you know rookies that you're trying to get integrated into the offense, especially the last two off seasons or last three now with COVID. You weren't really able to have a full off season program helpful or harmful. That's up to you. We'll find out. But I, I didn't know if you thought anything, had any thoughts about that. Yeah. I mean, it doesn't really worry me in terms of um, a lack of development. And that mostly comes from a place of, I guess, trust in, in the way our coaching staff thinks, you know, and maybe mm -hmm. that mistrust is, is poorly placed, but um, basically what I think about, um, especially in these OTAs, when we're talking May and June, we're talking guys in shorts. Um, number one, in my experience playing football, I know that normally coaches will take any opportunity to increase the physicality if they can. And even if you're out there wearing shorts, they'll, they'll want to make the linemen go full go and block each other and all these things that should technically be illegal. Mm -hmm. um, but I, I think that the importance of like technique and getting these guys to understand um, you know, not just to approach the game with physicality and intensity and things like that, but to be able to maintain their technique while they're doing those things. Um, I think that kind of dumbing down the practices in that sense, especially in OTAs can have that effect where technique is what's prioritized as opposed to just okay. looking fast, giving a lot of effort. Mm -hmm. Um, so that's kind of how I view it. Uh, also I just, Training camp in general has taken such a step back uh, since the collective bargaining like agreement. Two a days, where yeah, I mean, you're talking. You had you had 
longer training camps. You had multiple practices a day. You had more practices with pads, more practices where you could hit. Whereas now that's really dialed back and there's only, I mean, I don't know the exact numbers, but there's only a handful of really like full pads, you know, actual having some kind of contact practices. So Mm -hmm. I don't really, I don't really worry because I know that's what the entire NFL is kind of moving to. And that's what they're all doing is kind of removing that aspect from practice. Obviously you have to do some of it, which I'm sure the jets will in training camp. Um, But I don't know. I don't really worry about the intensity of May and June personally. Yeah. And, and the other side of that too, yes, that the last few years, you know, you weren't able to have a full session either, you know, with COVID and not being able to have certain guys in a certain amount of people in, in the facilities, but that probably also gave them an opportunity to say, look, what fat can we cut out of this program? How can we adjust it? So when we can have everybody in here, we're as efficient as possible and not really taxing ourselves. So um, just thought it was a, a, when you compare it to a high school senior year gym class and the follow-up sentences, it's not even senior year gym class, you know, at the beginning of the year, everybody's already into their <laughs> colleges. Like that was the follow-up sentence to it. It's like, it's the last month of senior year of high school, um, which, you know, Maybe Teddy, not the best thing to hear, but well, yeah, yeah. Teddy was I won't a worry about it in, yet. in high school gym class. So he was a gym <laughs> class hero. Who wasn't man? Who wasn't? Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, I feel like that's most of the housekeeping um, stuff. Like I said, a couple of signings guys off the PUP is fantastic. Still waiting on fan. Hopefully that's not too long. Um, But yeah, let's, let's go right into our position battles. Um, We're going to start off with the one that's kind of 0.5, but let's go over all of them in general. We're going to take a look at the wide receiver two. Um, That's kind of our 0.5 because I think it's a little bit more fluid. Uh, The three starting positions that we have to figure out are left tackle uh cornerback and then outside linebacker uh the three re- uh, the four other ones the reserve roles we've got reserve edge rusher a couple of names in the mix there reserve interior defensive lineman three names there uh reserve safety and then reserve wide receiver so that's what we're all going to go into um let's just start right off with the the hybrid one because teddy brought this up before the show and I would expect at the very least that as they enter camp, and I believe you agree with this too, that when you take a look at the receivers of Elijah Moore, Corey Davis, and Garrett Wilson, that'll probably be the order they start things off in. You know, they'll give the seniority to Corey Davis. They'll make Garrett Wilson kind of earn his, earn his role, I guess, is the number two wide receiver, um, which is kind of what we were seeing a little bit with Sauce Gardner as we get into his a little bit later down. But um, the idea is Corey Davis will probably be a starter to kick things off. How long does it take for Garrett Wilson to go there? So when you take a look at that position battle, I guess, between Corey Davis and, and Garrett Wilson, what do you think is the timeline for that? Yeah, I mean, it's a really interesting question. Um, and I think that a lot of it comes down. I mean, it's obviously twofold. It's how quickly does um, Garrett Wilson if and when he takes that step and really kind of shows up and establishes himself, um, when does that take place? Um, and basically, you know, if he comes out of the gates and he's making crazy plays all training camp and he's dominating our cornerbacks and he's easily the best receiver out there, you know, um, then I'm sure it'll happen sooner than later. And I'm sure by week one, he'll be the guy. Um, of course, that's very possible that it doesn't happen that quickly for him. I think it's very, very um, expected that rookie receivers take a few games to kind of get their feet under them. 
Um, I think even, even looking back at like Justin Jefferson, who had the best rookie receiver year ever, basically um, two years ago, even he didn't even really play his first two games, you know? So Mm -hmm. you look at things like that. And so I, I would lean more toward, Hey, week one, at least Davis is still going to be the guy. Um, The other side of this is obviously Corey Davis are you going to be playing well? Are you going to be saying, are you going to be showing the coaches that you should be out there, that you're a reliable guy? You're going to get rid of the drop issues. Um, Because if he doesn't seem like he's playing as well as they want him to, you know, then that's another reason to get Wilson um, up there. Uh, So it's an interesting, interesting thing. If I had to put a stake in it right now, I'd probably go to say that Davis will start the year. And then, you know, within the first five weeks or so, Garrett Wilson kind of takes over that, um, that job. Uh, obviously all three of the guys are going to be out there a decent amount. Um, but I don't know, you draft Garrett Wilson at number 10, you hope he yeah. can be out there sooner rather than later as a starter. Yeah. It really comes down to how much in the trust tree is Corey Davis with the Jets coaching staff. And you would, you would say, at least in, in my opinion, that after last year, you're not, your job isn't solidified. Like, yes, he's still going to be on the roster. He's still going to be on the field a ton because he does bring certain things that the other receivers can't and, and especially run blocking, which I want to get into in a second. But um, I would assume when you take a look at just overall talent, Garrett Wilson will probably get out there and he doesn't have the relationship that he, that, you know, Zach Wilson has with Elijah Moore, with Corey Davis, with Braxton Berrios. Like he doesn't have that yet, but what he does have, and one of his best things to his game is improvisation. And he's a guy that can move around on a broken play and, and Zach loves to improvise. And if they can start hitting things off, this could speed up a lot for their uh, connection. And so to me, Man, I, I, I feel like I sound like such a, a Corey Davis hater sometimes. I, I would love to see. I, I feel like, you, like you said, you draft the guy at 10. You would assume he's going to be out there like as, as the number one or number two. Like how many other receivers that were drafted in this first round aren't going to find themselves on the field as the uh, top option? Like next year for Atlanta, Drake London is really their top receiving option, so he'll be out there. Jameson Williams, if he's healthy, when he can be healthy, you know, they've got a Monroe St. Brown, but he probably one fits or two, in as that number two. Exactly. Chris Olave with the Saints. You got Michael Thomas coming back, but probably the number two there. And then uh, the fifth one. Oh, uh, Traylon Burks. Guy? Yeah, Traylon I mean, Burks you have him and Robert Woods, but. And, and they just traded one, away one AJ a, Brown. B, in my opinion. Exactly. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I, even after like saying my prediction, I don't want that to be the case. You know, yeah. I, I, if I yeah. could choose best case scenario is that Wilson just pl- plays his way into that spot sooner rather than later. Um, but I do think that when you just look at the history of rookie wide receivers, I don't think if he kind of comes out week one and two and isn't really on the field as much as you'd hope for having the stats that you'd hope for, I don't think it's time to panic yet. But then once you get into that three, four, five, you do really want to see him at least contributing to the team. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. As opposed to just kind of being, if he comes out there and does nothing, that's a problem. Yeah. I think the other part to it, like we said, it, it, I wanted to get into a little bit was the run element to this. And he's really the only big bodied receiver out there. When you take a look at the roster, Corey Davis, uh, Corey, Corey Davis is sorry. And it's not that, you know, Elijah and Garrett are tiny, but they're definitely on the smaller side. And and the prior, you know, uh, Mike LaFleur prioritizes 
receivers that can help block and aid in the run game. Now they have upgraded tight ends so much where that's not going to be as big of a need, but you wonder how they're going to share that, that time load um, between them because you want Corey Davis still out there, especially to help run block. Um, But maybe you can kind of start to weed him out if the tight ends are really holding up well. So, you know, I saw something, I saw a report that they're thinking about putting um, Rucker even back to like a fullback type role just to get him on the field a little bit. And then you're adding in another blocking guy. And, um, and I don't know. I just, I think that, I think it might, my prediction, I'm going to give it to Wilson to start the season. I just don't think you're going to take a guy that high uh, who's got yep. a, a ton of talent. Like I, Corey Davis is a very solid receiver to have on your team but if you're going upside and you're really shooting for things like the the jets are going to be this season i think you got to have a lot of pop out on the field and and elijah moore and and garrett wilson do exactly that yeah i mean i think you convinced me i already hate my prediction but what's nice is that predictions i'm going to i'm gonna say i'm gonna say at least by week three garrett wilson will be the guy um but what's nice is that we named this segment jets position battles to watch so while we're giving our predictions these are things I'm excited to watch in training camp, you know, and, and and how, how this um, kind of receiving core all looks, who's, who seems to be getting the looks from, from Zach Wilson, things like that. I, I'm all, I'm really intrigued. Um, So, yeah, I mean, and kind of like Blake said at the beginning, at the end of the day, all these guys are going to play Braxton Barrios is going to play. I think you're looking at more of a, the more likely scenario is that is that Corey Davis and Garrett Wilson and even throwing Elijah Moore, even though I think he's going to solidify him, himself as the one, at least for this year, I think all of them are going to be hovering around similar um, snap percentages, especially when you consider what you're saying about the run blocking with Corey Davis. Um, so maybe not the most exciting position battle from that aspect, because at the end of the day, they're all going to kind of win it right. to some extent. Um but yeah, I just wanted to talk about that. So I'm glad we got Definitely. that. Definitely. No, no. And that's that's a good one to talk about. I, I kind of looked over that. I wanted to talk about Denzel Mims versus Jeff Smith, but we're going to save that one for last. Two um, of my favorites. Kind of like kind of like what, what you were just saying with wide receiver. These guys are going to go on the field. This next position battle, it, it's a battle for left tackle. The consolation prize is you're going to be the right tackle. And you've got George Fant, who played left tackle last year, really made a name for himself in the organization in terms of leadership and production on the field. Obviously, still on the PUP, hopefully lifted up soon. Um, and then you've got Mekhi Becton, who we were just saying is returning. He looks great, cleared to, to do you know uh, football activity. So you assume, hey, practice one, Becton's going to be there at left tackle. So that adds a really interesting element to that where I thought the entire time leading up, he's going to come back in and be that right tackle. Now that Fant is still waiting to, to be cleared to play football, Becton has a real nice chance to, to steal this if he's if he's ready to go. Um, so take me through your mind uh, with that one because it, it's changed it changed within the last 24 hours. Yeah, yeah, you're so right. And when we look at George Fant versus Makai Becton, who's going to be the left tackle of this team? There are so many little intricacies and and things at play. Um, Obviously, you start off with the injuries. I think we all kind of expected George Fant to be the one who was going to be out there, and Makai Becton was going to kind of struggle to get to get back in the swing of things. If Becton has the clear lead on that and can show, excuse me, and can show that his 
Um, you know, his health isn't really an issue. He's able to be out there every day. He doesn't have nagging injuries pop up every other day, things like that. You know, I do think, I think it makes sense for this team in the long run um, to prefer to have Makai Becton as that left tackle than George Fan. Um, however, the interesting or the, the kind of other side of that is, is the team has gone out of its way to kind of say, well, we're going to give Fant that shot. He deserves that shot. Um, which, you know, you, mm. you, you do take with some, you, you take to mean something just because even when he comes back from like, does just being injured for the first couple of days of training camp, lose your opportunity to play for that spot. I don't really think so. No. Um, then finally, a third aspect of this is Fant is in at least in some ways, hoping to get a contract extension done. Uh, he doesn't sound like he absolutely needs it to be done. Um, I've gone on record saying, I don't really think it's going to get done this year, but I think that the way this left tackle position falls out has so many, um, I can't think of the word implications. But it, it, exactly. It has so many implications on the contract because if George fan ends up establishing himself and he's going to be the left tackle, then why not sign him for a three-year extension where, okay, we're going to have this guy who's going to be our left tackle for the next three years. We'll have Becton on the right and we'll be good as opposed to, okay, maybe if he plays right tackle, he kind of loses that leverage of being a left tackle. He's going to get paid less, you know, maybe, maybe the jets would be more likely to want to give him the extension, but he wouldn't want to take the money. Maybe mm -hmm. it would just make him more likely to get the extension in general. Like, there's so many aspects of all this that that it is just so interesting. But the biggest one of it all at this moment is the fact that, you know, tomorrow Makai Becton's going to be out of practice and George Fant isn't. Um, we're all assuming that he's going to be out there full go. You know, we'll have to kind of watch and see how that goes. But I don't know. I mean, I've been on record saying that I think that Makai Becton is going to be the left tackle, but it all depends on him being able to be healthy. So if he can go through camp with no injuries and, and really just kind of grab this position back, I don't think that's out of the question. Yeah. The thing is, is if, if Becton didn't have such a terrific rookie season, this would be a, a little bit easier of a decision to make and you could really make him earn it, you know, spend a year at right tackle. You know, if, if we start to see fans, play decline or as he gets older we'll just flip you guys because he's got experience at right tackle you had a you, you know you came out as a left tackle from college uh louisville right i think he's a yes, louisville guy yep. yep so um you know him having such a great rookie season and then his sophomore campaign ending so quickly it's like well we've been so down on him but the highest that we saw in his first season was was very good and so it's tough Fant is so important to the team, but the long-term play is Becton. Now the Jet staff can play it, you know, thanks to Becton's own issues with, with dealing with the weight and the rehab and uh, all the drama that stirred. They can play into that and just say, "You have to earn this." Now we're gonna we're gonna let you play it left until Fant is back. Come back in. Let's see how you do. And look, if Fant starts to take a little bit of a step back when he's out there and Becton is, is true as hell at right tackle, you can make that change. Um, man, it's tough. So you're, are, if you had to pick one right now, you're going to go Becton week one? Or what are yeah, you going to do? Not, that's what I'm going to go with. I mean, it's a hard 
projection just because there's still so many questions. I mean, yeah, we're happy that he's off the PUP, but that doesn't mean he's going to be full go. That doesn't mean he's going to get through camp healthy. Um, That doesn't mean they're just going to want to give George Fant that opportunity and, you know, solidify the right side with Becton. But I just think that when you think about why this guy was drafted, kind of the ceiling that you spoke of, even in limited time his rookie year, just being able to, to really look like a really great player. I think that if he's healthy, which I'm hoping he will be, he'll, he'll be the guy. Yeah, I'm It's tough. If I had to pick, where am I going to go? I've switched it now. Cause when the news came out, I was like, well, Becton's got a real nice shot here. Um, week one starter at left tackle. I'm going to go Mekhi Becton, which is what is such a crazy. I wouldn't have expected that from you. Watch us just both be wrong though. (laughs) Well, that's the thing is like, if Fant is back Thursday, this means nothing because it's just one day you slide him back into their positions and it's, it's done with. Yeah. How long? Go ahead. Well, for me, I think when we, when, when we're thinking about like, what questions are we excited to get answered in training camp? Um, you want to assume, okay, Makai Becton and George Fan are both going to be healthy, are both going to be able to be out there, right? And then it just comes down to, to how do the Jets want to play this, you know? And I think that's what I'm going to be looking for is, is you know, tomorrow, if Fan's not at practice, is Makai Becton playing left? Or are they saying, hey, we're going to put you a right because that's where we plan to play you? Are, are we saying, hey, we're going to put you a right because – we want to see you do some stuff. And then if you're really out playing, you'll move to left. Like there's still so many um, things that just the Jets staff could decide, Hey, we said, this is what we're going to do. And this is what we want to do. Um, so, yeah. To me, it seems based on what I was reading, he is going to start out at left um, because their plan is for Max Mitchell to solely be a right tackle. He played nothing yeah. but it in college. And it seems like he's just going to be at right until Fank gets back. So I would assume that just means that he is, he's going to take over at left to start off, but could change in, in a couple of days if Fant returns. So that'll be interesting to watch. I'm good. I'm glad we both went back in there. Look at, look at him getting all that love today. Speaking of which I remembered the, the news and notes um, just now that I, I couldn't remember earlier in the podcast, Riley reef. Uh, he ended up signing a big time contract with the Chicago bears today. Someone oh, taking a look that. dude. Get, if you just had to guess, how much money? A one-year deal. How much would you think they had given Riley Reef? I don't even know. Like eight mil. Twelve. The way and a you're half. saying, I was just gonna say the way you're saying it. I'll say like twelve. It's ridiculous. <laughs> he got twelve million to go play for the Bears. The Jets weren't even gonna go close to sniffing that. Yeah. So for real, I, I don't blame them. But all right, cool. So we both go back in there. Uh, we both kind of had the same timeline for the receivers. I think we're we're both gonna be on the same page with this one as we go to starting cornerback. Uh, and it's Sauce Gardner versus Bryce Hall. The reason this one is a competition is because in padless workouts, in the offseason programs, Gardner was behind Hall. Uh, Sala said that would remain the case until uh, Sauce does something to change that. We know Sauce is the best cornerback on this team. It's just your classic rookie situation, earning the job. Um, to me, only a matter of time. Um, what would you think is the timeline for this whole situation? Yeah, I mean, I appreciate that from the coaches that they would, at least in OTAs, you know, put him at three, give the nod to the guy who's 
outplayed, you know, how, where he was drafted, what his expectations were in Bryce Hall. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if the the depth chart that's posted tomorrow is sauce Gardner at one, yeah. um, you know, to me, I would have been, I would have thought more that, that the competition was Bryce Hall and DJ Reed, you know, but I just, they took this guy at four. He's a guy that you took with the 100% sole intention that he's going to be the best corner on your team. Um, if you just watch him play, that's clear. So I don't know. It doesn't really seem like much of a competition to me, but what I am interested in is number one, obviously you want to just see him go take it, earn it right away, be the clear best player. Um, and then it's also just the dynamic of how are they going to play these cornerbacks? Because they have a pretty interesting group. I mean, they got sauce Gardner, DJ Reed, Bryce Hall. They got Brandon Eccles who, who outplayed, you know, kind of his expectations last year. And then in the slot, they have uh, Michael Carter, the second, you know, so, so do they play around and, and ever have DJ Reed kind of move inside and play that slot position um, to get Bryce Hall out there, maybe keep him outside. Would they ever consider playing a guy like Bryce Hall in, in the nickel? Um, you know, these are just possible scenarios. If I had to guess, I would say Sauce is going to be the one. DJ Reed's going to be the two. Michael Carter's playing nickel. Um, but you never know. And especially with a guy like Bryce Hall, who has in, in a lot of ways earned his way on the field, um, maybe the coaching staff wants to get him out there somehow, at least in certain in certain packages. Yeah, I think the big thing, I, I would assume they're going to keep Reed on the outside. He did a little bit of it when he was with San Francisco back in the 2018-19 season, so you could think maybe they'll toy around with it a little bit. But his best play came on the outside um, with Seattle, and that's really you know where he came to earn this right. contract. So you could tinker with it a little bit, and, and injuries can always change that plan. And, and if Hall comes out and he's fantastic and Reed is slipping, they might try to move him around. Um but I would assume, you know, despite still being an undersized guy that he's going to be primarily on the outside, but yeah, I'm, I just, like you said, I wouldn't be surprised if tomorrow we look at the depth chart and it says that, you know, uh, sauce Gardner is, is the number one uh, on the depth chart. So, um, I think we're in agreement there. I, at the very latest preseason week three, like he's not starting the season, <laughs> not on the on the right you know. yeah i mean he's got to be on the field and if he's not that's a disappointment that's, at the number four that's pick. Like, scary <laughs> even i mean the jets have even said it for all these guys for sauce gardner garrett wilson um jermaine johnson and even Brees hall to, to an extent like they drafted these guys expecting them to be impact starters from day one you know so i i don't think i i just don't see them I don't see them like I see them giving these guys the benefit of the doubt. They're going to get them on the field. Um, even if even if they're plays similar to some of the veterans, I think they want to see these guys on the field. They want to get them experience. Um, so, yeah, I think in terms of sauce, Gardner versus Bryce, Bryce Hall, I'm going sauce, sauce, sauce. Give me that sauce, sauce. All right. And then the last starting position we have um, outside linebacker. Right now, that is Quincy Ugh. Williams. Do we have to talk Jamie about this one? We don't have to. We can just pick where it ends up. I, I don't <laughs> no, I'm just either. kidding. I just, it's I'm gross. serious. I'm it's not gross. kidding. It's disgusting. <laughs> um, I would assume, and I think you would assume too, that Quincy Williams right now has the upper hand. Um, 
there is the ultimate curveball though. And I don't want to just skip to what you put down there is like, we're still waiting on Quan Alexander. Right. Right. And that just to give everyone a little peek behind the curtain um, on our, on our show doc, it says Quincy Williams versus Jamie and Sherwood. And there's a spot to put your answer. And I just wrote Quan question mark. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't know. Do you have any strong takes on these guys? I would assume that they're going to give Quincy the job just because I think he is a little bit more well-rounded than Jamie and Sherwood. And I think he can bring a little bit, especially in the passing game. Um, I don't love either option. And that's where I think you bring in Quan. And here's the thing with Quan Alexander. It's not like he is a great option either. Like he did struggle in new Orleans last year. Like it's, it's not like, you know, we talk about him as the saving grace for the linebacker position. We just talk of him as, Better than something these guys something yeah. to throw in a little bit of experience with with the defense he's been on good defenses um been a leader been with sala so that's where you kind of just say if there's a guy that's going to come in and just take a position right away if he's healthy quan alexander probably ends up being the guy yeah when, when looking at these two quincy williams and jamie and sherwood um I, I there's not really much analysis on their play because both of them are kind of streaky um obviously Sherwood was a was a rookie last year um Quincy Williams at least from what we've seen seems to have the higher ceiling the higher ability to make like impact plays to kind of blow someone up have a hard hit but does that translate to just you know doing the right things at the right time we'll have to continue to see if he can improve I think this is one of those position battles that comes down to you really want to see one of them separate and earn it for being better Mm-hmm. Um, but it's very yeah. possible that it could just be whichever one is worse, you know, kind of makes the decision because one of these guys is just not good enough to be out there and the other is a little bit better. That's obviously not what you want to see, um, but I do think it's a very likely scenario that neither of these guys really have that great of a, of a camp and then um, you're just stuck starting whoever. And, you know, I sound very pessimistic. Hopefully one of these guys can establish himself. I would lean the same with you. Uh, that Quincy Williams, you know, he got the nod last year. He he does make, you know, memorable plays, um, which obviously sticks in our minds as fans. It sticks in uh, the coaches' minds, I'm sure, to some extent. Um, but at the same time, Jamie Sherwood was a guy who was picked with a purpose when, when uh, Robert Sala and this coaching staff decided to take him and Joe Douglas. So, you know, I... I guess if I had to choose, I would prefer that Jamie and Sherwood takes a step forward and earns that spot. Um, but I think the more likely answer is Quincy. Yeah, I'm going to go Quincy as well, too. I wanted to see there was one more thing I was trying to look at with those guys, but I'm not going to be able to find it either way. Um, those are really the three starters there. Um, yeah, and, and real quick, I'll just throw in, you know, Hams and Azraldine could also make a play at, yep. at that position. Um, yep. You know, another rookie, but mm-hmm. we'll just have to wait and see. Yep. It all starts tomorrow. Quincy, unless Quan shows up all starts, all starts today by the time this comes out. Yes, that's true. You watching practice right now? Christmas. I am. I'm watching inside training camp TV inside training. Yeah, exactly. All right. So those are our three starters. We all pretty much agree. Uh, the same there. Let's move into some of these reserve roles. One of the more interesting. This is what's ones, fun during camp. You the, know, the to reserves. me, the defensive line reserve ones. As we get into those two specifically, are my favorites. We're going to start off at edge rusher, um, and really the mix of four names that you take a look at: Vinny Curry, Bryce Huff, Jabari Zaniga, and Jacob Martin. And um, 
that means the roster locks on the flip side of that. You got Carl Lawson, John Franklin Myers, Jermaine Johnson, and Michael Clemens. So those four are safe. Now, if you take a look at what the Jets did last year, they kept four edge rushers on the roster for week one. So you'd assume, okay, probably going to expand that a little bit more. I just don't think they had the right guys in here. And you take a look at the additions they made. It's it's a huge upgrade at, at the edge position and even interior defensive line as we go into them next. So you assume, okay, they're at least probably going to add one more. Probably likely when you take a look at these names, they're going to add a second one. So two of those guys are to me going to be very safe at the very least. One of them is extremely safe. And then there's probably a chance for a second one to, to sneak in there because I do think I, you know, if you can go three deep with talented players and there are talented players, like you two guys that are getting cut are good edge rushers, uh, but two are going to end up being a little bit better there. When you look at those four, uh, do you view it the same way of like two are, are going to make it? How do you feel about them weeding down to their final you know, depth yeah. the roster. So, you know, just to say it again, looking at Vinny Curry, Bryce Huff, Jabari Zuniga, and Jacob Martin, um, I think the clear first guy in the chopping block uh, is Jabari Zuniga. Mm-hmm. Um, just hasn't really made an impact since being drafted in 2020. Kind of part of that draft class that's going to seem not so great, you know, sooner rather than later, kind of yeah. regardless of what ends up happening with Mackay Becton. Uh, the picks after that were just not good. We're going to talk about two more of them in a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Death of 2020. So, so yeah, I definitely, I think when you, when you look at these edge rushers, he's kind of the first to go. Um, I think that Bryce Huff is a guy who I think he's definitely going to make the team. Um, He played really well last year when he, when he finally got his opportunity, injuries have obviously held him back. And if he ends up kind of continuing, to be dealing with injuries. Maybe that's kind of a guy we cut bait on just because we're sick of dealing with it. Um, but if he can stay healthy, I really hope he can, you know, become a, uh, an, you know, just a, a contributor on this defensive line. Um, and, you know, kind of what you were saying last year, we had four this year. I do think it, it leans closer to five or six, just because, you know, your guy, John Franklin Myers, he's going to be able to kind of play both roles inside and outside. Um, and I mean, they just, they have what 16 defensive linemen on the roster at the moment, something like that. Yeah. They got a lot. So they, yeah, it's going to be hard to cut. It's going to be hard to get that number down to like nine, I think 10 or 11 is a more realistic number. Um, so looking at this list, I think Jabari Zuniga is the clear, uh, outlier. And then if I had to cut another one, I guess I would lean Vinny Curry, um, just because Jacob Martin, they did give a contract to, um, and I and I like Bryce Huff, but what do you think there? Do you think there's a scenario where they would keep three of those guys? That to me is a lot of edge rushers. I guess so. We're Lawson, Franklin Myers, Jermaine Johnson, Clemens. Yeah, I mean that's tough. Seven's a lot. I don't know. I don't know enough about how NFL rosters are are created. I guess, but yeah. It, yeah, it's, it that's would be the thing. hard. It we were be, talking about this then how many inside D linemen are you taking? You exactly. Know? And, and Franklin Myers can kind of be that. He back opens and up. Forth. Right. Franklin Myers' position versatility opens up it, it one roster spot because it's it, it's a half of right. like what are you gonna what also are you gonna be able to add in while he's at the other position? Yeah, and it seems it seems like um, you know let let's just kind of bring these inside guys into it. You know, last year they kept five guys on the roster. 
it seems like you have to have at least a two deep there. And then Franklin Myers as kind of the bridge guy. So I yeah. think that allows for five, maybe six edge rushers. So yeah, you're probably right. I mean, two of these guys got to go. Um, and I guess if I had to pick right now, it'd be Zuniga and Curry. Um, yeah. But really, I mean, there's, there's a pathway for any of these guys to go. Jacob Martin doesn't have a lot of guaranteed money this year. Wouldn't be a big cap hit. Uh, Jabari Zuniga clear, you know, just hasn't been good enough. Bryce Huff has had his injury concerns. And then, you know, Vinny Curry is a guy where if these other guys establish himself, he could be the odd man out. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I view things the same way as you, I, to me, one of the toughest cuts at the end of the day, like I know you think, and I, I think he's a, a tremendous guy too, but when you take a look at the numbers and how you have to get the roster down to, like if they need to keep more guys at, at offensive line or at safety or at some of these other positions where you're just like, what are we going to do? Here's the other thing. I don't think they're keeping three quarterbacks this year. The more I think, I think we're going to get so much Mike White in the preseason and then they're just going to send him off, which is crazy. Um, but, yeah. you know, go ahead. You, you can finish. Well, I was me, just going to say, I do think usually the goal is to have one of those three guys be a practice squad player, right. you know, and not be yeah. a 53 man exactly. guy. Um, but an embarrassment of riches, an embarrassment of riches at the quarterback position. <laughs> Mike White, Jets. dude. Everyone <laughs> thinks Mike White is such a goat. <laughs> so I was I was reading something from Connor Rogers today where it's like they're really gonna put Mike White out there a lot this preseason because they're gonna try and move him for something, which is unfortunate because he's a fun guy. But um, I think the the Zach Wilson, Joe Flacco duo is probably here to stay um yeah and and when you need these other positions and you got tough roster cuts you can't have that third guy there and and he's not if he's on a practice squad somebody's going to take up mike white just because of of the flashes but my point i was trying to get to with that is i do think at the end of the day like bryce huff is gonna be one of the toughest decisions for this team to make now i think they'll end up probably keeping him i'm with you i'm gonna say they're gonna keep six edge rushers here so adding in uh, Jacob Martin and Bryce Huff, I'm putting Jacob Martin there just because like, I, I love him and I would hate for, <laughs> I'd hate to be so excited about a guy coming in and then him just getting right. axed before your love for one. him has transferred over to me too. Like, Good. I just like want to see him play. I want to see him out there. So one thing that I was thinking about with him, cause we were just talking about how Becton gets this kind of early jump on the left tackle position and, and Jacob Martin is not going to crack anything of those top four. You know, you would hope that he is a, a guy right behind Carl Lawson, but he's going to have a really nice opportunity because Carl Lawson just feeds in that wide nine spot. And if they're really easing him in, that's Jacob Martin's bread and butter. So they're going to have him out there in the wide nine, probably making plays, racking up sacks. So to me, I think, like you said, it would be an easy tie to cut um, based on the money, but I would assume you bring a guy in with the money. It's kind of like taking sauce at number four. It's like, you're, you're going to get rid of him in, in two months. I don't know. So I agree. At the end of the day, the cuts for me at edge are going to be Vinnie Curry and uh, Jabari, which leaves you with six deep of uh, Carl Lawson, John Franklin Myers, Jermaine Johnson, Michael Clemens, Jacob Martin, and Bryce Huff. I'm with you there. Perfect. So look we, at we're, us we're, agreeing. I know. Look at us go. Um, let's move on to the interior guys because you brought them up a little bit. Um, like you said, they kept five. Right now, the two absolute locks, Quinnen Williams and Sheldon Rankins. We also know on passing downs, John Franklin Myers is going to be on the inside there. So when you take a look at the other three, uh, you've got Solomon Thomas, Nathan Shepard, and Jonathan Marshall. Now, to me, if they're keeping six at edge, they might just go too deep here 
um, at, at the interior defensive line. So one of those guys is probably not going to make the fit. To me, when I look at the three, before I send it over to you, Teddy, you know, Solomon Thomas, like Jacob Martin, brought in um, to play this defense, you know, has a history with Sala back to their days in San Francisco. He plays a different position now. He was an edge rusher when he came out of the draft, moved inside with Las Vegas this past year, and now is going to be an interior guy, kind of a guy that I see as a, you know, if John Franklin Myers is on the outside for some reason in a passing down and you need a pass rushing interior guy like that, Solomon Thomas is bread and butter. He's not really a run stuffer. He's going to be in there on the passing down. So he's one guy I look at and I say the relationship, uh, the positional value and what he's going to bring to the team as a guy right behind John Franklin Myers. I think he is going to be safe. Um, and, and then you also the fact of like the Jacob Martin thing, like you just brought him in. Are you going to cut bait with him already? Um, and then that leaves me down to choosing between Nathan Shepard and Jonathan Marshall. And when you take a look at the elements that they bring, I would almost say that you're going to keep Jonathan Marshall because of his run stuffing ability. And, and that's something that, you know, you're getting out of Quinn in, but you want a big guy in the middle to just disrupt in the run game. And, and it's tough because Nathan Shepard has been spoken about as an all-time favorite player for Robert Sala. So this to me is like a real big conundrum. Like, what are you going to do here? Um, maybe I'm overstating the Solomon Thomas thing. Maybe they just keep it with Jonathan Marshall and Nathan Shepard. Right now I'm leaning Solomon Thomas and Jonathan Marshall make it and Nathan Shepard gets the ax. How do you kind of view the interior? Yeah. I mean, this is like, uh, it's like a pick out of the hat kind of thing for me. Um, yeah. and, and, Kind of looking at our roster locks, we currently have Quinn and Williams and Rankins. I kind of think Rankins should be thrown into that group. I mm, think he could very well end up being being the odd man out um, and getting cut. You know, mm. maybe not, um, but it's just hard. I mean, everything that you kind of just explained, all of these guys kind of have that reason to to stay. When you look at, you know, Solomon Thomas has that relationship with Sala, was on the 49ers with him. Uh, Nathan Shepard has has been a guy who's you know been on the team for four years now contributed at least somewhat hasn't been the greatest player but hasn't been the worst um, and then Jonathan Marshall you know we kind of like Jonathan Marshall and 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 think he's gonna is that your guy or is that Jacob Martin that I'm confusing him with Jacob Martin's my guy yeah, yeah. okay all right so maybe Jonathan Marshall's the, the odd man out um, but I, I kind of like Jonathan Marshall so if I had to pick I'd say Nathan Shepard is the guy that gets cut mm -hmm. um, but I, I really wouldn't be surprised if it was Rankins to be honest with you that's interesting I like that you throw Rankins in there as a potential I wasn't even considering him so wait so who were your two that you say are gonna stay is this our first disagreement? I, I missed what you ended up saying. Well, no, I, I'm saying that I think Shepard will be the guy who's out. Um, gotcha. So we agree. Quinn and Williams, yeah. Rankins, Solomon Thomas, and Jonathan Marshall. Um, but, you know, you just look at kind of shit. Shepard's been able to hang around the past four years. Um, Sala loves him. Yeah, exactly. Sala loves I mean, him. it's tough. Obviously, he's only been around since last year, but. Yeah, I don't, I don't really know. I mean, this this is one where I'm just really excited to see, like, who can kind of elevate and establish. Mm -hmm. um, and I also do, you know, at the end of the day, at least for rundowns, does this make sense what I'm saying? No, I mean, basically just at the end of the day, period, don't you think that the line is going to be, you know, Carl Lawson, 
John Franklin Myers and Quinnen on the inside, and then you know pick your poison edge rusher, which yeah. guy you want to rotate in. Definitely. So, you know, you you put you put uh, you put Franklin Myers kind of in this group of inside D linemen, and then you may, maybe they only go too deep with him, and they keep they keep six or seven edge rushers outside wow. of him. You know, um, yeah, well, five outside of him. So, a lot can happen. I think this D line is obviously the hardest to get our place, like to get your predictions off because there are just so many guys, but I think it's like the number other than left tackle. It's probably the number one thing I'm watching just in terms of like, how does this all fall? Where do these guys land? Who's going to be, you know, in that rotation? Um, mm-hmm. Cause you know, they're going to want to have a few shuffling everybody, a few versions of, of who they're going to have out there. So like we said, you know, I guess I'm, Picking Nathan Shepard for the pick, but to get I really right, exactly. Yeah, but any of these guys could uh could be on the chopping block just because of how much talent there seems to be in the room. Yep, Teddy and I keep agreeing. So winners of that one will be Solomon Thomas and Jonathan Marshall. Obviously, I think that's one where we agree. It's you have no idea how that's going to go just based on what they bring to the game. Um, and and I guess you don't want to have too much of the same guy out there. So then at at the end of the day, we're just guessing that Shepard gets the ax um, two more reserve spots that we want to go into um, just as much as I don't like talking about starting linebackers reserve safeties aren't necessarily my favorite topic just because I think it's a, a little thin back there. Um, this is one where I think if they invest a little bit more in the defensive line, uh, this is one that's going to get cut probably two guys. So out of that list, it's Ashton Davis, Jason Pinnock and Will Parks uh, Davis kind of like what we were mentioning earlier, uh, the 2020 draft class, not great. He is probably the most hated jet. If I had to pick one, yeah. um, just among fans. Is that a fans. consensus thing or yeah. a new thing? Okay. No, no. I mean, I, I, I don't really have anything against him, but he just hasn't really like done it yet. But if I right. had to say out of, cause this team is very likable now. It's not yeah. the same team as, as it was in the Gase years and before where there was a lot of guys that people kind of hated. Um, I think, I think like Connor McGovern and, and Ashton Davis might get the most, most crap talked about them. Hmm. Um, but yeah, I, I've said, I said it when we talked about uh, the, the defensive ends, but it really does seem to me that this 2020 draft class is going to be gone basically. Before um, the start of the season. Yeah, you know, I think so. So my opinion here is that Ashton Davis gets the cut unless he can really like exactly what you wrote here, unless things drastically change, you know, because Pinnock is that guy who who, um, you know, he's a rookie and and I think they're going to want to give him another year. I don't really think he's a candidate to be cut. Um, And then Will Parks is a guy I kind of like. I think he played a couple games with the jets last year, three, two or three. Um, and then there's also Elijah Riley who they signed um, to play. So, you know, it's just interesting. It, it's again, it's kind of a hard one, but I definitely think kind of what you said, there's going to be more cuts than elsewhere here because of the way that, that the rest of the roster is constructed. Yeah. See, to me, I, I don't know. I think two of these guys could, 
could get moved on from. The guy that I want to spend time talking about, though, I think you you're it, correct there. You said it about you said it about Davis. Like I don't want to add anything more onto that. Um, Pinnock, like you said, you know, hopefully they're going to give him a second year. But Will Parks really came on strong at the end of the season after coming over. Uh, was it? I think it was maybe as as late as December, even when he joined the Jets, or maybe right at the end of. yeah only played three games three games but was was kind of nice with it those those two starts that was the thing is he came on i think he was pff's top graded safety over the final three weeks of the season it was like where the fuck we get this guy from but he was a quarterback Mm. switched over late november finished the year strong obviously we don't expect him to to go out there and just be this all-time player at safety but i think he's earned the opportunity to continue that and ascend up there so when I look at the three guys and and who to me is going to land as the, the final reserve there, I'm going to go Will Parks. Um, Ashton, I agree. I, I do think, I think my, my prediction, I guess, if I was to say, and I'm stealing what you said, because you said like, this is the end of the 2020 draft class. I think by the time we get to week one, this team will not have Jabari on it. This team will not have Ashton Davis on it. And it will not have, a uh, guy that we're about to talk uh, talk about next in our final position battle. But there's three names there where I just say, come week one, not going to be on the team, whether they're cut, whether you're able to get anything in a trade value. Um, I don't think so, but it just three for three won't be on the team. Yeah, and and of those three, I think Ashton Davis is the first to go. I really do. I mean, he has just been yeah terribly disappointing. So Crazy. Yeah, we'll see. Uh, he's all right on my Madden, but that's about it. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Well, Teddy, I, I think we're just going to agree on everything here as we get to our final one. And that's that's wide receiver five. Uh, Jeff Smith versus Denzel Mims. Everybody Two of my was, favorite players. Everybody and that's was not even up. really a joke. <laughs> I hate that. I hate that. Yeah, you did have the you really held on to the Mims background. I remember on your phone for a while. You still you still actively right now. So it, it is July 26th. We're recording this. Is he still on your fantasy team? Um, I think so. Yeah, I'm not dropping him. What if he becomes it's a hilarious? Stud? It's hilarious. What if he gets picked up by the some team with and, no receivers? And well, I'm gonna put this out there because everybody, I'm assuming, you know, if you've done part of Dynasty Leagues, you know, the rosters are a little bit expanded. Ours is not that deep of a <laughs> of a of a bench there. So yeah, he's still there. Is... He's projected for 3.74 points week one. Oh, He'll probably good. be closer to zero for for <laughs> what team? Yeah, what team yeah. is he gonna be doing that for? So. Jeff Smith, Denzel Mims, Mims, everybody was kind of pushing that up after the draft of like, oh, look at Mims is showing up. He's in shape. And I think that's kind of what we're going to see in a few weeks with Mike White, where we're really just trying to bump up this trade value. I don't think it worked too much because you get to OTAs and minicamp, and he's still behind Jeff Smith in, in terms of reps and, and who's getting the work in. So when I look at the two, to me, Smith has a specific element to his game where Mims is kind of just you know, he's, he's well-rounded, but Smith is a very fast receiver um, and he can add a little bit on special teams. He's got experience as a gunner and a returner at the end of the day, when you're looking at who's going to be your wide receiver five, I want a guy that's going to do a few different things. This is one of the easier ones for me to decide. And, and I'm going to give wide receiver five to Jeff Smith. Yeah. I think the, the special teams argument is, is really the argument to go with um, just because that's kind of classic for that wide receiver five position is they want to have a guy who contributes on special teams. Um, Obviously you do have Braxton kind of slotted in as that wide receiver four, and he's going to be on special teams. So maybe that changes up the thinking, but it's kind of hard to say Um, what I do wonder. And, you know, I kind of, I, I feel like I should have looked this up, but I didn't think about it just till just now. 
I feel like five wide receivers is kind of like the go-to number when people yep. think about who's mm-hmm. going to be on a roster. Um, but I, like, I feel like last year we definitely had more than that because we had Dave, Davis Moore, Crowder, Keelan Cole, Braxton, you know, and Mims at least. And then sometimes mm-hmm. Jeff Smith was out there maybe because of injuries. So, so, you know, the precedent is there for them to keep six guys. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if both of these guys end up staying, but it is a little tougher because how long are you really going to hold on to Denzel Mims if he's not going to be a guy who's getting out there? You know, um, when you think about the guys ahead of him, it's just it's going to be a tough time getting on the field. So Mm -hmm. even even if he doesn't look horrible, even if he's not making a ton of mistakes, it's just kind of like, when are we going to get you out there? and, you know, will he be a practice squad kind of guy? I, I don't really know how that'll all work. I don't know if other teams are going to be dying to pick him up. Um, but you would assume maybe they'd take a flyer if he was on the practice squad. I'm not really sure. Um, I don't know. This is a tough one for me. I don't want to cut either of these guys. Uh, but I, mm, I'll i disagree with you. I'm giving it to Mims. I think he's back. Really? No, I, I like it feels <laughs> wrong to say that. <laughs> Just because Jeff Smith like does play on uh, special teams and Mims doesn't, like that's what you're that's what you're using a wide receiver five for. He's out I, there in emergency situations and he's going to be on your special teams. Like you right. need guys that are going to do those things. And last year, obviously, injuries were an issue, so maybe my thinking of last year is a bit clouded by that. But even when Mims was like in the doghouse, even when he would mess up and get a few penalties, and like he would go back in the game, it would just never be for passing plays like Denzel Mims would very often just get thrown in to help block on a run play. Um, you know, and we've talked about the better tight ends, maybe that won't be as needed to have big body wide receivers. Um, but it's not like, it's not like even when he was in the doghouse last year, it's not like they like completely erased his role. They just kind of erased his like receiving role. Um, so, I don't know. Then you look at the fact that they already got Moore and Barrios and Garrett, who are a little lesser bodied guys. And then you would only have Corey Davis as the big bodied guy. So that kind of makes me lean towards Mims. Um, this one's really hard. I mean, they all are. I'm, I'm excited to see how these all go down. Um, mm-hmm. But just for my guy, I'll, I'll stick with Denzel. But I am a big happy, Jeff Smith guy. Happy for you. Thanks. Die on, I gotta get die, my- you, you have to die on that hill. You do. Yeah, exactly. to me, the other part um, that I just want to acknowledge is like Nikhil Harry, first round bust for New England, went for like a 2024 seventh round pick. And it's just like, if he went for that, you think you're getting anything for Denzel Mims? Yeah, and the anything. thing with Nikhil Harry is he was disappointing, but he at least was like on the field and like He's a starting a wide receiver. Three. Right, exactly. Like, and, and, you know, he never got that touchdown or maybe he got one, but I think he, but he did at least have 12. some receptions and stuff. I mean, Mims is a guy who his, his contributions have been few and far between. Um, yeah. it, it's, it's just really hard to justify him sticking around. Um, I'll, I'll give them a ton of credit for building up the trade value and trying to build up the hype. Like they did a good job with it. It got a lot of people bought in. I mean, we traded Chris for a Herndon. couple of weeks. <laughs> I guess he Chris had some trade is, is an all-time W. Yeah, I think he played one. like two snaps or something for the Vikings or like two games, like something yeah. so crazy. And we got a fourth round pick for him. Insane. 
Yeah. Oh, well. Well, I'm glad we had at least one to disagree on. So let's yeah, just recap, had to do it. Had to do recap it. the position battles real quick. Uh, wide receiver, we counted as a half one because both of those guys, Corey Davis and uh, and uh, uh, Garrett Wilson, are going to see the field a lot. But we think Wilson, you said at least by week three, I think start of the season will probably be out there. Left tackle, we both went Becton, which is just a crazy one. Slide Not what I expected right from tackle. you, Blake. I just, I think he's going to get the upper hand. And if he's good to go and he looks good, it's like, you're going to take that away from him. Like that, that's what he's going to be. The franchise left tackle. That's what he drafted him at 13 to be uh, sauce Gardner, Bryce hall. We both agree. Sauce going to be out there probably as soon as the day this podcast drops outside linebacker. We both say probably Quincy Williams, but hopefully maybe it's Quan Alexander um, edge rushers. We both say if we have to cut two guys, it's going to be Jacob Martin and Bryce Huff that stay. Vinny Curry and Jabari uh, Zuniga are going to get the axe. Interior defensive linemen between Solomon Thomas, Nathan Shepard, Jonathan Marshall. We say Solomon Thomas and Jonathan Marshall keep their jobs. Sleeper um, pick. Shepherd. Rankins get cut. I like that. Yeah, I like that you put that out there. Um, sleeper. And then uh, reserve safety, Ashton Davis, Jason Pinnock, Will Parks. We both agree Will Parks probably keeps it. You're going to hold out a little bit of hope there for Jason just because he's still a young guy. Um, and then wide receiver, our big disagreement. Uh, I go Jeff Smith makes the roster, and uh, you're holding on dying on the hill of Denzel Mims. Yeah, I, I'd love to go through. The, the roster gymnastics is something I really haven't nailed down. Um, I don't have like a good feel for, okay, if we keep an extra guy here, we got to cut an extra guy here. You know, it's it's hard to kind of do that math in your head. It's kind of like assigning yardage values to all the receivers when you project Zach Wilson for 4,000 and you're just trying to make it fit, you know, maybe, maybe it's an exercise we can get into. I don't know if we want to be that deep, but maybe sometime we could try to project a 53 man roster, uh, maybe next year. uh, Okay. Yeah. (laughs) Well, yeah, you know, we, we talked about these bubble guys, I think, enough uh, yeah. to kind of cover where we think cuts are going to happen. And there's going to be a lot. Still... I mean, what do they got? 90, 90 something guys, 90, 90 on yeah. the dot. So, yeah, a lot Am of cuts happening. Camp. A lot of guys that that we're going to be hearing a lot about fans are going to be getting behind and then you're going to say goodbye to them. You know, that's, well, and that's it's the inevitable. Thing. And, and at other positions we haven't even spoken about, like two running backs are probably getting the ax. I would assume it's going to be, you're going to keep Tevin Coleman probably as the three, just because I think he's a coach at this point, but you're going to have some other guys getting the ax there. What are they going to do at tight end? There's going to be a really tough decision with uh, the, who's the guy from, yep. He's going to be one Kenny of the Yeboa. toughest decisions I'm to make. I'm very intrigued because it, it really does seem, um, I, I heard this on another podcast. I think the the path to maybe somehow keeping four tight ends is kind of what you mentioned before. And, crazy? And getting Rucker into that fullback, fullback role, cutting Nick Bodden. Um, so you don't have a true fullback, but you have Rucker who can do it. And then maybe that can justify uh, Yaboa. Realistically, I think Yaboa ends up as a practice squad player. Um that's an interesting one though, but it's, it's hard. I mean, four tight ends, does that seem realistic? A, maybe it's for, a lot to keep. Maybe, if, if you're yeah. going to be that run heavy, maybe it's not, but that's right. what it comes into is like, what position then are you taken away from? Right. And, Another so. aspect to this that I kind of thought of in midway is that, you know, obviously knock on wood, we don't want anything terrible to happen, but some of these guys that are kind of written in, in the two deep will get injured, you know, and, no and team walks into September. Right with a clean two deep. So, yeah, I mean, that kind of might make things a little simpler. We'll see guys that we kind of 
Because it does seem like there's guys you expect to be on the team and then there's not enough room for. And I think injuries is kind of that equalizer that that uh, kind of, oh, these guys are injured so we can sign these guys. Um, but yeah, all this is what it's just fun that we're like having this conversation and like training camp is starting. So we're at least going to get like at least the beginning of answers, maybe not real answers yet, but, but we at least have things to talk about as opposed to just talking about. We've been talking about hypotheticals for two months now, and now we get our answers over the next month. So it's, it's like we said before the, we even got onto the podcast. I just, I, I woke up today just in a better mood because I was like, football is here. The Colts are reporting to camp, you know, I'm getting excited about every team out there. My my all-pro linebacker's name went from Darius to Shaquille now. Yeah, so that's, very interesting. That's interesting. Um, you know, we got news around the league. Julio signing with the Bucks. It's just like we we made it through the the very boring two months of it, and yep. it's about to get very exciting. It's going to be very exciting here on our show. We're, we're going to really have yeah. a lot of fun as we go through into the, the preseason and regular season, so I'm excited. Yeah, and, and just before we wrap it up, I guess – that's kind of what I want to say is just like we started this when March, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah on episode March. nineteen, um, and you know it's been a blast. We've had a lot of fun doing it. I think I have personally, mm-hmm. definitely. Um, but it, it's just like it's exciting. Like this is our first training camp. It's going to be our first season. It's going to be our first time really, you know, podcasting while um the season's going on and and there's you know real real things to talk about so so it's an exciting time and i hope you guys you know come along for the ride definitely it's, it's gonna be fun it's only gonna get better because like you said we have stuff to talk about so um yeah let's wrap things up i appreciate you guys we appreciate you as always for listening to another episode of chasing 69 a new york jets podcast on twitter at nyj underscore chasing 69 Teddy at Teddy Huncho. I'm at Blake Andrew Pace. YouTube page is the same as the Twitter handle. Um, We'll be back next week with hopefully a lot of great news. Zach Wilson dropping dimes all over the field. Um, You know, star, I'm going to put out one last thing. Star of the the preseason is just going to end up being Braxton Berrios. I just think the relationship, he's just, he's going to be making plays all over. And I think he's going to be the star of the real season, bro. Yeah, the real season. He's the wide receiver four is going to just burst onto the scene. I love it. But, um, no, I mean, it's it's an exciting time, and, and I'm excited to keep doing this uh, with you, Teddy, as always. So thank you for doing this, um, and, and thank you all for listening, and we will catch you next week. Peace.